time for our Sabbath story. Happy Sabbath, brothers and sisters. We're continuing to read our book, A Light in the Jungle, written by Leo and Jesse Hallowell, the missionaries to the Amazon. We are reading a, a, a chapter titled, A Teacher Digs a Grave. Of chapter 10. Both Jesse and I knew that we had no right to think of ourselves as martyrs because of the separation from our children. Our son was on the west coast in the States, Marion on the east coast. Both were in good hands, and we did not have to worry about them. Far greater sacrifices than this temporary separation were being made by others because of the importance of education for all children and adults as well even for those of this river to which Jesse and I returned alone to carry on our work. In terms of sacrifice and devotion in the cause of education, of leading these people and their children out of the darkness of ignorance, Jesse and I always think of a teacher named Honorino Taveras, his lovely, lovely wife Maria, their dog and their chickens and their cow and their infant son. Honorino was a light-haired Brazilian who came from southern Brazil, where he had been a teacher for several years. Loyal members of our church, this teacher and his wife, decided that their greatest service could come in bringing light into the green-shadowed world of the river. If they reached only a few, they made a start. Honorino said in all his young enthusiasm, like a pebble in the sea, the waves would spread out from wherever they began. They had decided to start their work in a remote area on the Andira River, where the Indian tribes had had little contact with white people, and none at all on any prolonged everyday basis. There was no school of any kind in this region. Theirs was to be a pioneering effort, and we did not know what the reaction of the natives might be. We took Honorino and his family to their destination in the Luciero. We had an extra canoe in tow and the cow and the chickens and dog, a few furnishings, luggage, and the family itself. And we arrived. The trip took several days. We were greeted with the usual bowing and indications of welcome, but there was a noticeable reserve in the manner of the Indians. There were no smiles on their faces as they watched us unload. We told the chief why Honorino and his family had come. This was to be the teacher to help them and their children. We would build a school. The chief nodded as if in understanding assent, but the others around him gave no such indication, and from their expression, we sensed a wave of hostility. The night of our arrival, they put on a ritual to which we were not invited. We were told it was a devil dance. Almost all night, we were kept awake by the loud and incessant pounding of the drums. I was worried about what might happen. But the hostility did not break out into any open acts at that time. We talked with the chief and his advisors, the elder men of the tribe, and after a few days they agreed that it would be good to hold a school, build a school for their children and a house for the teacher. The chief called the Indians together to tell them of our plans, and they agreed also, saying they would help us put up the school and the teacher's home. The chief assigned Honorino and his family a house to live in until their place was finished. It happened to be, we learned afterward, the home of the local witch doctor, who at that time was away in another village. 
with these arrangements made, we felt safe in leaving our teacher and his family in this far-off place to live and work among these people. I will always remember the sight of that couple standing on the bank waving to us with their white handkerchiefs, and when we got farther away with a white towel as we drew away from the bank and headed down the river. For a time, all went smoothly. The chief had staked out a line on one side of which was to be the village, on the other the school, and the house for the teacher. He had drawn up plans and had laid out the positions for the two buildings. Work went along swiftly on the school. The frame was up, the roof was on by the time the witch doctor returned, but when he discovered what was going on, he was furious. These white strangers represented a threat to his own teachings and his authority, and to add insult to injury, they were in his house. They were ordered out at once, and the only place for them to move into, all of them, including the baby, was the still half-finished schoolhouse, minus walls or any protection from the dampness of the tropical wind and rain. The rainy season had just begun, and the storm swept through the half-finished building with, with such a rage, with such a rage that everything was drenched for days. The baby caught a cold, which turned into pneumonia. The enmity of the witch doctor and his supporters continued. Our one-time guide, who was one with them, killed the teacher's dog and did everything he could to drive Honorino out. A strange, grim war went on in this village between a man and a woman fighting to save the life of their infant in a village of Indians, half friendly, half hostile. Honorino and Maria lost their battle to save their baby. The conditions under which they were forced to live were too much for the tiny son to combat, and after a few days of terrible fever, he died. The two of them were alone in this rain-swept village of primitive terror. Together they took counsel. Their first step, whatever else they did, whether they decided to go or stay, was to bury the baby. The Indians had their own rites of burial, but of these this missionary couple wanted no part. The father borrowed a spade, and he went out into a clearing and began to dig with his own hands the son's grave. With his own hands, he nailed together rough-hewn pine timbers to make a tiny coffin. The Indians watched in silence as all this went on, following each step of the way with wordless intensity. They themselves cared little about the dead beyond the ritualistic stage. At any rate, they do not appear to grieve deeply when a loved one is lost. Their attitude seems to be that he's gone, and that's that. Yet there was something different about this, and they were aware of it. As Honorino ploddingly, step by step, did what he had to do, by himself, with Maria following, he carried the small coffin to the grave. The rain poured down with its endless symphony against the leaves. As these sorrowing parents stood there, while the father said a prayer and read a few words of Holy Scripture, Lo, I am with you always, he read, even unto the end of the world. Silent, unsmiling, still, the Indians looked on, standing a little distance away. They had killed Honorino's dog and cow and stolen his chickens, and done all they could, largely under the instigation of our former guide, to drive these two out. Now they appeared somewhat touched by the ceremony. As Honorino and Maria turned away, the chief approached them. Will you still stay and teach, or will you go down the river and join the white boat? We are staying, Honorino answered. If we were to run away, we would have brought on the death of our child for a worthless cause. We do not think it is worthless. 
Can you understand that? Slowly, the chief nodded. It will not be without purpose, what you are doing here, he told them. Subtly, in a way the young teacher could not explain, the attitude of the Indians changed. The building of the school and the house went forward swiftly, despite the witch doctor and his coterie of followers. Most of the Indians began working hard to complete them. After long weeks, the school and the house were finished. Some of the Indians began to attend services held by the teacher on the Sabbath. They began to send their youngsters to school, teaching and training and holding meetings in the midst of a people, many of whom had been enemies. This bereaved father and mother forgot their loss and their sorrow. Maria taught the Indian women to knit and cook. As a result of the school and the dedication of this man and woman, the lives of these primitive people changed completely. There was a postscript to this story that was especially heartwarming to us. Once, long after Honorito and Maria began their work, we held a meeting of these Indians who, under the gentle influence of these two wonderful people, had become friendly. Afterward, our one-time guide asked if he could go with us down the river. I knew him only from that one trip. I did not know the role he had played in trying to drive out our teacher. It was about ten, it was about eleven o'clock when we left the village, and overhead the skies were stormy and dark. As I sat steering the Luziero through the night, my thoughts eddied around the grim story of the teacher, who had first come here, his courage in the face of the Indians' opposition and his victory. I was brought back to earth by our Indian hitchhiker, who had crowded so close to me that he was almost pushing me off my seat. As I wondered what his nudging meant, suddenly he whispered to me, I wish to ask a favor. Could you have your wife sing again the song she sang at the meeting tonight? I called Jessie, and she came forward and sang the hymn called Christ Saves Sinners. When she finished, the Indian asked her to sing it all over again. Finally, when she had gone through it a second time, the Indian asked, Did Jesus die to save all sinners everywhere, or only the light man? Why, he died to save all of us, Jessie said. I am a very wicked man, the Indian said gravely. I tried to kill the teacher. I killed his dog. I had his cow destroyed. I stole his chickens. I have killed six men in my life. Six men. He paused. Do you think he could forgive me my sins? Jesus is our Savior, I said. He is ready to forgive any man, who, any who come to him with repentance in their hearts, regardless of who they are or what they have done in the past. I want to know him, this Indian said, his voice so low we could scarcely hear. Next week, the story will be a tree of tears. God bless you, brothers and sisters, on this the Sabbath draws near. May you be very blessed and enter into his rest and trust in him that he knows how to restore the years the locusts have eaten. No, your child has died, my son died, and these people's son died. He can restore not only our children, but any other thing that has been lost in our life because of sin. I just pray that you have great confidence in the Lord today. Okay, I'll see you in the morning.